So um, I'm pumped for tonight, for the whole night. I got a message I want to share with you. It's really just about the cross. And uh, so how I want to start out is there's a guy named, by the name of uh, Roger Bannister. And uh, Roger Bannister uh, was the first person that's recorded to have broken the four-minute mile, meaning that he ran a mile in under four minutes. Huge task. So what, what you need to know about Roger Bannister is that he was a, a runner, and this record of a four-minute mile was, uh, was a huge feat. It was thought to actually be impossible. And hundreds, thousands of people tried to break it. They had brought in scientists. They brought in doctors to try to you know, help people perform at the highest peak. And basically from, uh, from the year 1886 up until 1954, runners from across the world were trying to break the four-minute mile, and nobody did it. So that was you know, roughly uh, 70 years of attempting, and everyone always failed. But Roger Bannister broke it. And something really interesting happened in the world of running. Any runners in the house? In the world of running, when Roger Bannister broke the four-minute mile. So 70 years, runners had been trying to break the four-minute mile. 46 days after Roger Bannister broke it, someone else broke it. A year later, three guys in the same race broke the four-minute mile. And then up to this date, there have been over a 1,000 runners who have been recorded to have ran under a four-minute mile. So the principle that that we find really in this story is that we have perceived limitations until someone breaks those limitations, opens up our faith and the possibility to live a different life. And when we see that hope, it gives us strength to push through to accomplish something that we, that we first thought was impossible. And so Roger Bannister broke this or unlocked this possibility for the rest of the world of running. And I would just argue tonight that in a similar fashion, Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus Christ, has unlocked the possibility of an abundant life to all who follow after him. So many people live a life with such low expectation Because their parents lived a certain way, their grandparents lived a certain way, their family lives a certain way, and so they put a cap or limitations on the type of life that they can live. And specifically in the realm of hardship and difficulty, we put low limitations on ourselves with how we behave through difficult times. And so our scripture that I want to talk through tonight is Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. I'm very excited to... uh, to talk about this passage of Scripture. It's a somewhat familiar passage, but powerful nonetheless. Let me read it to you. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. So I want to focus in on this word endure. We see it multiple times in this passage. It says endure, endure, endure. He's saying, listen, don't quit. 
persevere, keep going. And the word endure is the word hupameno. Everyone say hupameno. We probably said it wrong anyway, so sorry. And it means to remain, abide, not recede or flee, to persevere, to bear bravely and calmly. So let me read this verse again for us. Verse 3, consider him who endured, who persevered, who bare bravely and calmly from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Consider Jesus and the way that he was treated so that you don't grow weary or faint-hearted. You're going through a tough time? Don't wallow in your sorrow. Look to Jesus who is treated terribly, unthinkably, and he bared it calmly. Don't consider your circumstances. Consider your Savior, friends. Don't wallow in your circumstance. Be fascinated by Jesus. That's a good word. Amen, Jake. The process um, of execution that Jesus went through was slow, torturous, agonizing. Sometimes we just like see a cross and we brush by, yeah, Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Yeah, we know Jesus died on the cross for our sins. You know that journey that Jesus went on to get to the cross was slow? Do you know what he endured in order to even get to the point of taking his last breath? Do we understand the the pain that he went through physically and emotionally and spiritually in order to get to the place of being on the cross? It was slow. It was agonizing. You could even say it was unbearable. And so I don't want us to like brush by and just like the cross Oh, it's another message about the cross. Yep, it's another message about... No, slow down. Don't lose your fascination with the cross, friends. It's the central point of the Christian life that leads to the resurrection, which we refined our new life. So let's zoom in on the cross and consider an aspect of the cross that Jesus endured. And I, I believe that we might unlock a type of living that we were made for. That when you look at Jesus, it acts like a, like a banister effect. That when you look at how Jesus endured, it unlocks the potential for how you can endure. So let's look at Hebrews 12, verse 3, one more time, a little bit more closely. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. So the way that we do not grow weary is to consider Jesus. So on Monday, this past Monday, I was teaching the discipleship students. Shout out to the discipleship students. And we created this, this list of the things that Jesus actually went through while he was on the cross. You know, we, we, we read that he was cursed, right? He became a curse for us. He became sin. But think about the sin that he actually endured. He was mocked. 
I know we're like, oh, he's mocked. Yeah, think about, think about how you behaved the last time you got mocked. <laughs> you either turned insecure and inward, or you probably lashed out in passive aggressiveness or aggressiveness. He was mocked. He was cursed. He was beaten. Man, he was publicly stripped naked. Like God was stripped naked while people laughed at him. How would you behave? I know how I would. Not like Jesus. <laughs> well, maybe I would now that I have Jesus, but not BC. Disrespected, spit on. Spit on. They spit in his face. They spit in his face. Consider what he endured. Betrayed by his closest friends. Peter, Jesus, I'll never betray you. Betrayed. Judas spent three and a half years with this guy, gave his life to him. He witnessed miracles. He, he had the best teaching. He had the best mentorship possible in the entire universe. And he sold for money. 30 pieces of silver. So when he's hanging on the cross, he's not just beaten. He's looking out and he, doesn't see, he only sees one of his disciples. Only one of his disciples decided to come and watch him die. He's betrayed by his closest friends, wrongfully accused. <laughs> when, I, when somebody accuses me of something I don't do, I am like, I am like very passionate about, about communicating to everyone that I did not do the thing I'm being accused of doing. I'm defending myself and making it clear that I did not do that because I do not want to lose my reputation. Jesus takes it with silence. Gossiped about, tortured. It said, the, the scriptures teach that he was unrecognizable as a man, that meaning that if you looked at him, you wouldn't even recognize him as a human because of how much his body was tortured. And ultimately, he was executed. You know, earlier in Jesus' life, the Gospels give an account of when um, Jesus is tempted in the wilderness. Who, raise your hand if you know the story. He's tempted in the wilderness. He's fasting for 40 days. And the devil comes to him and he tempts him. And he offers him the kingdoms of the world. He offers him literally to be in charge of the world. But he had to bow his knee to the devil. And Jesus doesn't do it passes the test, the test that Adam failed. But you almost get the sense that the devil was trying to take Jesus out early. And he was doing it through pride. He's like, I know these humans. Even though Jesus is God, he's still, he's still in the flesh. I know that they all bow to pride. I know their pride consumes them. He, he offers them the, king, he's the kingdoms. Jesus says no. So now three and a half years later, Jesus is going to the cross and you can see the darkness closing in on him. You can see the intensity of the darkness that is encroaching upon him. And this center, this, this insignificant carpenter, right, is, is now the central figure of, of this whole region and the darkness and all the sin is, is consuming Jesus in this one point on his way to the cross. Betrayal, mockery, 
wrongfully accused, betrayed, tortured and beaten, spit on. The devil was trying to get Jesus to fold. He was trying to kill him, yes, but he was trying to get him to fold because he said, humans can never endure hardship. Humans always fold. They're too selfish, they're too self-centered, and they'll always compromise when pressed hard enough. They say they love Jesus, watch me, I'll touch their mom. They say they love Jesus, watch this, I'll get their friend to gossip. They say they love Jesus, I'll take away their girlfriend. Say they say they love Jesus, if he, can, he knows that if he can just touch our things that will compromise our love for Jesus. Or so he thinks. Let it not be with us, amen? And so you see him putting this pressure on Jesus. All of the things, the best friends, the accusing, the torture, the evil, the demonic, all encroaching in on Jesus in this one point. This is not fair. He did nothing wrong ever. He never even thought about doing anything wrong. And yet the sin of the world, yes, the sin of his relationships, but almost seemingly the darkness and sin of the world is is, is being centralized on this one man, Jesus. To make it even worse, when he's executed, he's hung between two criminals, signifying that this man on the cross is as bad as the two men next to him. A criminal. Jesus, who only ever healed, who only ever forgave, who only ever loved, who only ever spoke the truth, who only ever offered grace, is considered a criminal and executed as such. This is our God. So here's how Jesus didn't respond. You know, we all have like a breaking point. You know what I'm talking about? Like you and your family and like, Let's just do a funny one. Like you have a sibling and like your sibling's being annoying and then you're like, okay, I can ignore this or being annoying, right? And all of a sudden something else happens and your fuse is like running out. You know what I'm talking about? We're not supposed to have fuses, but we all got them. So we got this fuse and it's running out and it's, it's going down. And then it just like, it's just the last straw, right? You're just like, you explode on your sibling and you just let them have it. You know what I'm talking about? Like, get out of my room. I hate you. Get out of here. And you explode, right? you would think that Jesus would have had a breaking point. You know, like, like all these things happening to him. But here's how he doesn't respond. God, I'm done with these people. I healed their sick. I cleansed the leopard. I, I even fed them. And then they said they were hungry and they wanted more food, God. These people are never going to change. These people are selfish, self-centered, and I don't even know why you created them in the first place. They are losers. Get me down from this tree. Let's wipe them all out. Jesus didn't respond that way. You know, interesting, in Matthew 26, it says this. This is the power that Jesus had. Do you not think, I cannot call on my Father, and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? At once, at any point, Jesus could have sent angels in to to totally wipe out all of his enemies and rescue him, and everything would have changed. He endured the cross, friends. 
He endured. He endured all of it, like all of the pain. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you, me too, may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Jesus shows us the way to endure dark times. He shows us the way to endure betrayal. How does he respond? Let me remind you of this before I share how he responds. How Jesus responds is the exact nature of God. Because Jesus is, according to Hebrews 1, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. So the way that Jesus responds on the cross is the exact nature of who the triune God is. You think you know who God is? Judge that to Jesus on the cross. Judge that to how he is revealed in the person of Jesus as the scriptures revealed. Luke 23, 34, and Jesus said, Father, how does he respond? On the cross, all those things, that darkness closing in on him. How does Jesus respond? He says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. That's how he responds. God responds with hardship, not taking it personally. He never lets sin against him produce sin in him. The sin that came at him, he he accepted. The betrayal, he said, I'll die for you. The torture, he said, I'm dying for you. Forgive, they don't know what they're doing because if they knew the Father, they would never do what they're doing. At this point, Jesus sets new possibilities for us. I'll say it this way. He broke the four-minute mile. The cross is where Jesus breaks the four-minute mile. It's where he uncaps all of our potential and says that a life lived unto God in relationship with Jesus, abiding in Christ, has unlimited potential for magnifying the name of Jesus and living the abundant life full of peace, forgiveness, joy, and never being tainted by the world. There's no more excuse for us now that Jesus has come, died, and resurrected. The darkness closing in on him, the devil thinking he could get Jesus, and this is what it says. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. That darkness thought it could overcome Jesus. Betrayal, torture, spitting in his face, stripping him naked and all of its shame. It thought they could make Jesus collapse and he never did. And he says to anyone, deny yourself and follow me. Deny yourself and follow Jesus. Look to him. Don't look to yourself. See, hard times happen to us all. Whether it be family, whether it be health, whether it be relational, whether it be addictions, whether, no, whether it be 
uh, depression, hard times fall on us all. And Hebrews 12 says, consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself so that you may not grow weary and faint-hearted. You see, the, 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 the trick or the, the, the perspective that leads us into abundant life where we don't get stuck in our own mind, in our own self, is stop considering how bad we have it and consider how bad he had it and look at how he responds. He invites you and says, hey, follow me. It's called being born again. Adam taught me how to respond. Adam taught me how to take betrayal. Adam, the original man, taught me all of what it means to live emotionally and personally. But I have been what? Born again. That means my old nature, my old me is not how I act. I look at Jesus, I consider him and what he endured. And then I look at myself and I go, if he can do that, he's given me his spirit. Now I can live a life enduring hardship I can endure difficulty. I can endure the things that are coming my way because Jesus endured it first and he sent his spirit to live inside of me. Let's look at Jesus. So I want to just end by really skipping to a part. I'm going to skip some slides here, but I'm going to skip to my last slide here. There was just three ways of living like with these new possibilities. I want to focus on the last one. We'll do the last two. Look to Jesus every day, friends. Hebrews 12 talks about looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. So many of us, we sing to Jesus. So many of us, we believe in Jesus. So many of us, we like Jesus. But friends, we, as myself included, need to do a much better job of following Jesus. Look to him daily. Study him. Pray to him. Worship him. Look to Jesus every day. And the last is pray a psalm. When you're going through hard times, when you're going through these dark days, and we consider Jesus and what he endured on the cross, and the crazy thing is, is all that sin came upon him. He died, and what happened? He raised back to life. He died proving he was man, raised back to life proving he was God. He is our Savior, and He's not just our Savior, He's our Shepherd, which means we follow Him. I want to end by praying a psalm over us to give us an idea of what it looks like as we're enduring difficult times, as we're enduring challenging times, as we're enduring times and seasons of, of hardship, of what it looks like to pray a psalm over ourselves. Sometimes people are like, I don't know how to pray. The crazy thing is God gave us his word and his word has a book called Psalms which is like literally an unlimited amount of prayers. So you don't need to know how to pray, you just need to know how to read. And if you don't know how to read, you just need to get your iPhone and it'll read it for you. (laughs) Read the psalms, they're prayers for us to pray and learn to navigate life following Jesus and looking to him. So when you close your eyes as I, as I close this out here in Psalm 121, pray a psalm. I will raise my eyes to the mountains. From where will my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. He will not allow your foot to slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. 
He who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your protector. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun will not beat down on you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will protect you from all evil. He will keep your soul. The Lord will guard your going in and your coming in from this time and forever. Amen.